0: The Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Her Game 2. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Women's Football Podcast Women's World Cup semi finals edition. I'm Annie Mills, and as always, this podcast is in partnership with Her Game 2. I have with me today Portuguese journalist Ines Sampaio and freelance journalist David Astill. Welcome to the podcast, guys.
1: Thank you very Thanks for having me.
0: Wow, what a couple of days you have had in terms of women's football. These semi-finals have been incredible. The whole tournament has been incredible, but the semi-finals I feel like have given us it all. David, your heart rate must be through the roof after that England game.
1: Yeah, it was. It was pretty high. Um, yeah, really good game. Love watching it. I thought England were fantastic.
2: And yes, what were your thoughts on the game? Well, uh, I was a bit sad for, for Australia, uh, especially because they had a chance to make it to 2 And right away, uh, England um, scored the winning goal. But it was a great game, better than I was expecting. So, uh, women's football won with that kind of spectacle.
0: Definitely. We'll talk about the Spain and Sweden game first. Obviously, Spain beat Sweden 2-0. And although they won't be going to the final, I feel like you definitely can't sleep on Sweden at all. They've been brilliant, don't you think, David?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, I think they've, they've they've found a particular style which seems to work for them, that kind of high press and, and forcing errors, and it worked for them really well against Japan. Um, it wasn't a surprise that they decided to do the same thing against uh, Spain and yeah no they've got some great players and and once they really start to connect which we kind of saw a little bit towards the end of the tournament um you know they they are a force to be reckoned with
0: and the way they got to the semi-finals is a story in itself obviously knocking usa ranked number 1 in the world out on penalties that was sensational to watch
1: yeah 100% um that was that was a it wasn't the greatest game but it was it was a great story um, and I've seen a lot of people saying, well, that kind of signalled a kind of changing of the guard, if you like, when the USA's kind of monopoly, if you like, of of power kind of toppled a bit. And, and to be fair, they're probably right. You know, it is the point at which we kind of thought it's not just the USA anymore. There are others up there who are capable of, of winning games at the very top.
0: Definitely. and yes, Sweden were well-deserved quarter finalists. What can you expect
2: from them in the future? Well... Yes, we didn't have a, a great history of you know qualifying for tournaments but also making it uh, a long way unfortunately they still haven't uh, won uh, a World Cup much less been um, in in a final it's well I was really hoping I, uh, that they would uh, go through also because of you know everything that's going on with Spain um, I think they're going to keep uh, being, you know, a really, really strong team. I do believe that their time will come. It's sad that uh, this wasn't it for the likes of aslani uh, who might, uh, you know, who, it, this might have been her last World Cup. Uh, I'm sad that it wasn't this time for, for Magda Yerikson and Fridolina Rolfa. Uh, you know, it's, you can really feel like this generation is, ending and there still hasn't been uh, um, a big trophy to you know to accompany their greatness uh, but they will keep being great because not just they don't just have you know these uh the current layers that they are great they also have really good academies they're great at producing talent so i think sweden will keep being one of the best teams in the world and one day hopefully they will get their due prize there's been a lot of talk online about Villa's
0: tactics. Some people saying he's done a really good job with the Sweden team. Some saying he hasn't. What's your view on that?
2: Well, I mean, obviously, um, according to reports, so allegedly, uh, Jorge Villa is not the best people manager in the world. Uh, that's to put it slightly. Um, he is also he has also not shown to be a great tactician because obviously Spain used the uh, the bases uh, of Barcelona and you know most of their players and you can really see Barcelona's game shining through not something that has um filled like a fingerprint and he's sometimes ruined their game with his subs sometimes it's wanted as well Sala Pareduelo was very important both uh in this game and the one before but you know, you can definitely, you definitely get a sense of Spain winning, uh, regardless of Villa, and not with or because of him. Uh, that is a, the sense that I that I get from from the outside. I might be completely wrong, whatever. But it is definitely that the feeling that I get. Yeah,
0: and keeping with the talk of the managers. Jorge Wilder has also faced a lot of criticism during this World Cup. Obviously, Spain as a national team faced a lot of backlash and turmoil throughout this year with, I think, 15 players at one point threatening to quit the national team because of his coaching. And now he's the same coach that's taken them to a World
2: Cup final. What are your thoughts on that? And how do you think it's impacted the team? Well, it's uh it's impacted usually so much so that you know there there are still players who are not there, like Mati Leon, Patrick Hijarro, uh Claudia Pina and others from other clubs, not just Barcelona, because at some point it was uh framed as something of a Barcelona thing, but it it is not, there are players from uh, Real Sociedad, Atletico Atletico Madrid, so like it's not just Barcelona, Uh, and obviously if the reports are true, and there were some very serious um, allegations, like him not uh, allowing players to sleep with their doors closed uh checking uh their belongings and not allowing them to go out without knowing exactly where they were going those reports those allegations are very serious and i think they should they're deserving of a more thorough investigation than they were and you know but it's clear that he has the backing of the federation uh the Federa- the or the association uh the president the president of the association has made some uh very clear comments uh in that in that sense um he's been he's clearly um framed the whole thing like it's all jorge villa he's been uh quite it it's it's been a quite a. uh like their peace comments have been quite cutting towards the players that uh, threatened to leave the national team and those that didn't uh, come back at all. And obviously, it's had a huge impact. We've seen players not celebrating with their coach. Uh, the next game against Sweden, they did celebrate with their coach. And I would guess, and this is only uh, this is mere speculation, that. They would have been told something, you know, uh, you can't, uh, this is what I would have done if I was part of the uh, communication department of that association. I would have said, like, you know, you can't do that because it's it's a humiliation to our association. And, uh, you know, if I was on their side, of course, um, yeah, it's been it's been very fraught. And it's um, it's weird to watch and it's kind of making I've heard a lot of uh, comments from fellow Spanish journalists uh, that, you know, it's it's bittersweet because it feels like it's legitimizing uh, a coach that has clearly uh, not been up to par in terms of, you know, uh, handling his players uh, behavior. And I'm talking about behavior, not just tactics, because tactics, you know, you're good or you're, or you're not good. That's it. But when you're handling, uh, when you're dealing with players, with human beings, that's a whole different story because, you know, it's, um, it's we're talking about abusive, supposedly abusive behavior. And if that's true, then this potential win, just making it to the final alone, uh, is legitimizing um, his alleged um, bad behavior and possibly abusive behavior. And I do not, I hope, but do not think. That if Spain win uh, the, whole, the World Cup, um, I don't think that it will give them, give them a basis to, to, like, um, to demand change. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, but I think it'll only legitimize them further and make things a lot worse for generations to come.
0: It was a bit of a slow start to the quarterfinal. All the chances came in the last 10 minutes of the game when Spain absolutely blasted their way into the Women's World Cup final yesterday after, I said, beating Sweden 2-1. All goals were scored in under 10 minutes. The final two goals scored in the same minute. I think a lot of us, myself included, expected it to go to extra time because it was a bit of a lackluster start and then, boom, three goals in 10 minutes. David, what were your thoughts on the game yesterday?
1: I think saying it was a slow burner was uh, a massive understatement because, let's be honest, 80 minutes of it was not the greatest football we've ever seen. It was very stodgy and cagey. Um, any words like that that you can use probably would fit. Um, but then 80 minutes, it kind of came alive. And and to be honest, I think it was brewing a bit once Par- Paraluela came on. I think that was the turning point for me um, because I think the the thing that Spain had was when they were trying to create chances, they had Hermoso up at, at the top of the field. For me, that's not her best position, not anymore. She's much more of a creative kind of 10 now. Um, she needs to be given that freedom to roam around and get into different areas, which you could see she was trying to do in that first half and, and bit of the second half. And it just meant Spain didn't have that attacking presence. But as soon as Parallelo came on, um, she stayed at the top of the field, she gave them that presence, she stretched the Swedish defence. So for me, that was the turning point that you kind of thought, yeah, Spain could go on and win this now, they're creating the chances and now they've got that player who can go and win in the game. So yeah, eighty minutes or so of it was not amazing, but there were a few touches when Spain looked like they could actually do something, and then and then all hell broke, broke loose. To be honest, it was you know one goal after the other, and and yeah, it it was one of those weird games when, as you said, it quite could have quite easily gone to extra time, uh, and it didn't.
0: Definitely, and Ines Parlavillo, she's only nineteen years old, and that's now eight in thirteen games for her now she's just an incredible player and definitely one to watch going forward isn't she
2: yeah, definitely. Uh, she's been a star for Barcelona this season, and she's now proving that she can do it on the international stage as well. She's definitely one to look uh for, you know, for the future for so many years because she's just 19, like you said. So it's <laughs> she's got a whole career ahead of her and many, many successes. And I think you know, Spain have a really good batch of players uh for the future. You, you have Salma, you also have Vicky Lopez. Uh also from Barcelona, Claudia Pina, Bruna Villamala, but also players, great, great players from Real Madrid, Levante, Alba Redondo is amazing as well, Um, Atlético and and, uh, Real Sociedad. So, like, so many great young players, they've been great at uh the youth level as well. And Salma is not just one more, but is she's definitely one of the uh because she's she's one of their stars obviously, but uh she's uh she's maybe like the face of a really really uh great um like uh set of generations because it's not just her generation it's uh, the ones that are behind her um you know it's um she's a face of uh the, the growth of women's football in a youth level as well as uh, you know at the main level
0: Rebecca, Rebecca Blomfish she was only on the pitch for 10 minutes and she scored to bring Sweden up to 1-1 to equalize David if that's not the definition of a super sub what is
1: yeah, she, was, um, she definitely made an impact when she came on. Um, I think that's the thing that you could say about Sweden, if you're going to have any criticism of them, is that they haven't really scored as many times from open play as you would hope that they would have. They've had a bit of a reliance on the set pieces to score. That's not to say they haven't scored from open play, but you'd, you'd have hoped they'd have scored more than they have. Um, but certainly when Blomqvist Blank, came on, you know, you could tell there's a little bit more energy at the top of the field when it came to kind of creating those chances You know, as we said, the pressing was really good, but they weren't really being too threatening at the top of the field. But she definitely made the difference in that regard.
0: Sweden's defeat means Caroline Sager, their long-term captain, will end her international career without a World Cup winner's medal after five tournaments, which is extremely sad for her. However, I think like you said Ines going forward there's a lot that we can expect from Sweden and i think they were definitely deserved quarterfinalists don't you
2: yeah definitely and uh, i'm excited for what's to come for Sweden i'm sad that uh, caroline sager like you said uh and also maybe aslani uh you know but they were very very deserving quarterfinalists i mean when you when you knock out the the world champions like no the last two world champions because it was japan in 2011 and then the us in 2015 and 2019 so like when you have that kind of trajectory um yeah you were it, it means that you were one of the best teams in the world cup uh i wish they would have made it to the final um i think uh like the refereeing in the last very minutes wasn't great because uh, the referee, I think, was a bit in, uh, naive and fell for a, a lot of uh, Spain's theatrics. Uh, they're Iberian, so I'm talking against myself. Uh, people from the Iberian Peninsula tend to make a lot of theatrics. Uh, <laughs> I'm one of them, so uh, our players tend to be like that. So, but yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was sad for Sweden, but also the like a guarantee and a promise, like a guarantee that they are one of the best and a promise that whatever is to come is going to be successful. And they made it this far uh, very successfully and they still got a, another game to to, to win or to, to play and we'll see who gets the uh, the bronze medal. Definitely. In the in this game, I feel like Spain
0: dominate possession throughout. But like you said, David, they seem to end. They seem to lack end product in the final third. But a real hero for Spain is Olga Carmona. Obviously, putting her team through to the World Cup final, their first World Cup final ever. Another brilliant player on the Spanish side. What were your thoughts on her goal?
1: Yeah, uh, for me, she's a talent. Just in every definition of that, I really, really like her, always have done. Um, She offers you that kind of that speed getting up the field during transitions. And you could see that kind of speed of thought as well with the the goal. Um, I think Sweden will probably be very disappointed with it because I think they could have defended it better. I think criticism of the goalkeeper is a bit unjustified because I didn't think there's an awful lot she could do. I think, you know, what she could do, she did, which was got up to it and, and got a hand to it. it. It was one of those where you kind of thought some people were going to say she could have saved it, some people couldn't. But take nothing away from Carmona because the the, the quality of, of the strike was fantastic. And, you know, if, if you're going to have any goal that's going to win you a, a place in the final, then that's not a bad one.
0: Moving on to the England and Australia game, obviously England has just beaten Australia, the World Cup hosts, three one. As an England fan, that must be unbelievable, David. What were your thoughts on the game? How do you think it went for us?
1: I thought England were probably. I'm I'm going to say it. I think that's the best I've seen England play at the tournament so far. Um, I think you know the China one was, the game was obviously a very very good performance, but I think this is just the complete package. There's still little bits here and there they can still work on, but I just think the complete package, that was the best we've seen England play. And it's quite good that you, you get that sort of performance just before you get to the final because it gives you that momentum moving forwards. Um, I thought I thought Lauren Hemp was absolutely outstanding. I genuinely ran out of words to describe what she was doing, just apart from wow. Um, every time she got on the ball, she was fantastic. I, I like the idea of moving her into that central role as well because I think it, it benefits um Ella Toon, who can obviously now play those through balls knowing that she's got someone who's going to make the runs. It, it allows Russo to drop back into the into the pockets of space that she likes to get into. So just think actually having hemp in that central role really works. And you could see in this game all the different elements that were working because you had kind of hemp and Russo and Toon connecting with each other. And the back three were really good. I liked the way that um they kind of shifted around. So Lucy Bronze is not necessarily the best defender as such. She's very good at going forward, but we've seen a few times when she's been caught out in transition players are getting behind her. So I, I liked the way that they had that sort of that back three, which allowed Bronze to effectively stay out of that a little bit. And then Daly moved back, which then shifted the back three across. So you had like Brighton Cast taking on that right back role a little bit when they had, didn't have the ball. That, for me, worked really well. So just the overall package for me that England put on today was really, really good.
0: Definitely. I think, like you said today, when I was watching the match, it seemed to just click. And like you said, Lauren Hem, Jess Carter, Lucy Bronze, Alessia Rooster, Ella Toon, I could go on and on with the player individual player performances that we saw today. One player that I just want to mention really quickly is Kira Walsh. Obviously, she doesn't look back to full fitness yet, but she has been playing 90-odd minutes in the last couple of games. I think she only missed one game. And even though not at full fitness, I think you could argue that she still does run the game for England. She dictates play, she envisions passes, and she executes them perfectly. To me, she I always thought she feels like the glue that holds England together. Would you say that's fair, David?
1: Yeah, no, I would. Um, I think that's maybe the one small, and it is only a small concern I've got with this system, is I don't think it necessarily allows Walsh to play at, at her full capabilities because she, you know she likes to sit in that sort of six role just in front of the defensive line and to have players running ahead of her that she can then find with passes, long and short uh, range passes. I don't think this system perhaps allows that, um, which is maybe why we've seen her have a few quieter games of late uh, since she's come back into the team. Um, but having said that, you're absolutely right. She is the type of player that can just kind of run the game without, even, without people even realising she's there. And... It, you know, she's still working her way back to full fitness. She obviously had that, that really bad knee injury, which thankfully wasn't an ACL, even though it did look like it might be at the time. Um, but it's great to have her on the pitch and you can definitely tell the influence that she has on the England team.
0: Do you think, David, that it's fair to say up until today, England have kind of ridden their luck a little bit in this tournament?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's not, not an unfair comment to make. I think... Um, Certainly the Nigeria game was was a case of England not at their best and kind of just, just trying to see it out and see what they could do. Uh, Haiti and Denmark, the first two games, were a, were a case of quite a few errors and, and um, you don't want to say nerves, but it did feel a little bit like that. Players kind of adjusting to the, the whole situation and, and the fact that they were at the World Cup. A few partnerships still being developed and things like that. So, yeah, there have been a few times when you can tell England have been slightly riding it and been a bit fortunate to get the results. But then you get the the performances like China, like this one against Australia, like the Columbia one when I thought they were really good. And then you you actually realise that actually, you know, as much as England have changed since last summer with players obviously leaving and and retiring and obviously then the injuries as well, you know, it's still that England identity is still there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Obviously, this was Sam Kerr's first game back where she started. She's been a big character, a big personality around Matildas during the World Cup, even though she hasn't played a lot. And yes, do you think having her on the pitch today made an impact for Australia? Obviously, I know they didn't win the game, but I
2: think they looked a lot stronger than previous games to me. Yeah, and they were very, very dangerous. Uh, she scored a goal could have scored uh, another two at least. Uh, I think she'll have nightmares with that one um, shot that went wide and like a minute later, it would have been the 2-2, a minute later, 3-1. It, it's gonna it's gonna be on her mind for sure. Unfortunately, obviously you never want a player to torture themselves over it, that one um, bit of play. But yeah, she was, I think she, she looked more dangerous. It's also like, um, She's an authoritative presence in terms of like um, you know she demands respect from from the defenders and also you know she becomes more central to uh, Australia's game. Um, she made an impact. She was very dangerous. They always look dangerous. And uh, I'm gonna reveal myself as the spy here because I was rooting for Australia. <laughs> They're the the hosts. You know it it was the the fairy tale. Um, story that didn't happen, but, and also because England, uh, I agree with you, uh, from the last answer, um, England have been very boring to watch up until now. And I think this was definitely their best game. This was the one that, you know, they're really, uh, they showed why they're at the stage and why they're finalists. But yeah, um, Sam Kerr's presence was definitely uh, impactful. And I wish we would've, well, we're gonna see her uh, in one more game and that's that's good. Although I really don't like the uh, third and fourth place games, uh, at least there's that. Uh, it's another chance for her to, to score goals and to prove uh, how important or to not prove or to cement her importance uh, within the Australian team. You just said that it was a fairy tale that didn't happen.
0: But I think part of me thinks that it has been a fairy tale for them, maybe not their fairy tale ending, but what they've done for the women's game within their nation. I think even watching the Matildas sing their national anthem today, you could see how much it means to them. I think sing is an understatement. They were screaming it. And I think... Even though they didn't win in terms of women's football in Australia, I think they've made big
2: strides, don't you? Definitely. I think we're going to see uh, an impact. Um, there's going to be, you know, they're, they're affecting change just by, you know, just by hosting, but also by showing up so so. So thoroughly, um, those players are very, very passionate uh, about their national team. Uh, they've uh, their passion has infected uh, basically everyone in Australia. We've all seen the videos of thousands of people celebrating their goals. Uh, that quarterfinal, you know, that penalty. Um, you know, we've all seen the videos again. Uh, but yeah, it's. I think there, there. It's it's true. Uh, it didn't get the deserved. Ending or the ending that they would have wanted, but it's been a fairy tale, and I think no one no one can take away from what they've done because they were not uh, probable uh, fi- uh, semi finalists. And they almost made it to the final. Uh, and I hope uh, Australia, you know, take all the positives and um, turn them into a chance, a big, big, big chance to grow women's football in their country even more because they have the talent, they have uh, the like the amount of people, you know, because they're a big, big country. Uh, some countries are like five, 10 million uh, people large, I mean, a, portugal is only 10 million uh, colombia is also very a very small country um but um yeah i think australia have everything uh it takes to to take greater strides towards something and i hope that women's football uh well women's football is already bigger than men's football in there because of this tournament uh they've um yeah, they've infected a, uh, a nation with their passion, and uh, it's really great to see every stadium full to the brim. It was amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, football is now, or soccer, as they say, they call it, uh, is now a mainstay in Australia, and not just you know, not just playing second fiddle to the other sports like rugby and um, Australian football.
0: David, we just spoke about a couple of standout England players, but we have some standout Australian players as well. There's so many. Steph Catley, Caitlin Ford, Hayley Rasso, Mackenzie Arnold's been world-class this tournament, Mary Fowler, only 20 years old. I know she's not a frequent starter for Man City, but she's been phenomenal. Phenomenal. Who has stood out in the Matildas for you during the tournament and in the game today?
1: Um, I think today... Will be one of those games that i will look back on and know that it wasn't their day. Um, have, but during the tournament, I think Caitlin Ford and and Steph Catley that partnership down the left has been really really good for for Australia, giving them a, a big platform to go on attack and to to build their transitions on. Um, but I think the two that just probably deserve a mention who have been probably absolutely outstanding every single game without fail is the midfield duo Katrina Katrina Gorry and Kyra Cooney Cross. I think. The, the two of them together have been so, so impressive. And, you know, Gory obviously is is nearing the end of her career, but Cooney Cross is, is still at the very start. I think she's only 21, 22, something like that. So she's still got a long way to go. And I know there's a lot of people saying she's got a future in a big, big league. She plays in Sweden at the moment uh, for Hammersby. Um, But she's got, there's a lot of people saying she's got a future at a WSL club or a, you know, a, a top Spanish club or a French club, whatever. One of those really, really... Um, top leagues, and yeah, I I think for me they they've been absolutely fantastic. They've had that sort of passing quality, the sort of the, the transitions, uh, if you like, has been really really well executed. Um, the 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 range of passing, particularly from Cunha Cross, has been excellent. Um, the balance they've added to the team. I mean, I could go on, but for me, those two are the ones that I would pick out as having had a really solid tournament and really kind of put their name in lights. And, and as I say Gori you know, really, she's coming to the end of her career, but Cooney Cross has got a big, big future.
0: Talking specifically on the game, um, Ella Toon opened the score in, I think, 36 minutes, relatively early on, and it was a string goal in the top right corner. After Ella scored, the England players kind of got into a little, little huddle together. Um and obviously, in this World Cup, especially, there's been a tendency that when one team scores, the other team is equalized fairly quickly. After we saw it yesterday in the semi-final with Spain, um, how important was it, David, for England to get their heads together, have that huddle, and just reiterate to each other how important it was to not concede right away and just to see out the game till the halfway
1: point? Yeah, hugely important because, as you say, we've seen a few times that when when teams have kind of scored and then you know, almost lost their composure and then they've, they've let a few charts go. To be honest, England did do that as well. I think you saw, you know, at the start of the, the second half, they came out, they've made a few loose passes and things like that. And you kind of thought, yeah, you, you know, they, they've lost a little bit of their composure. But to be, to their credit, they did regain it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's always important to, to remind yourself that a game is 90 minutes long. And it doesn't matter whether you score in, you know, the eighty-first minute, or whatever. You still got to see out that extra time, you know, the the, the extra time on the end, if you like. Um. So yeah, it, it's it's it it's the same in any sport. To be honest, it doesn't really matter what sport you're playing. You have to keep your focus until the very end, and it's not over until it's over. And you know, uh, any sports fan will tell you, you know, there are so many instances when teams have scored thought that's it we've done it and then conceded again and then and then they haven't done it and they've actually ended up losing the game so yeah it's hugely hugely important to make sure that you score but then don't concede straight away because you, you want to keep that advantage and build on it you don't want to lose it instantly
0: yeah and obviously even though they lost Sam Kerr leveled the in at 63 minutes and I think David, even as England fans, we have to appreciate Kerr's goal. There was such a good battle between Millie Bright and Sam Kerr, world-class defender, world-class striker, throughout the game. But Sam Kerr's goal was something else, wasn't it?
1: Oh, it was brilliant, brilliant goal. Really well taken. Um, it was one of those moments when England did kind of lose their focus um, and Australia took full advantage of it. And, yeah, we thought Toon's goal was really good. I, I would probably... It's debatable whether Curves was perhaps even better just because of the distance and the power and the accuracy on it. I mean, Tunes are the say, was fantastic, but it was such a good goal. And it was nice in a way that both teams got a bit of a worldy goal because it was it made it, you know, it's what a semi-final should be, is those kind of moments of quality. And um, yeah, at that point in time, Australia deserved to get back into the game. So it was really good to see them do that. And obviously it made a bit of a game of it. So that was good.
0: And yes, obviously David and I are slightly biased as England fans. But when Russo scored to make it 3-1 and she did it so calm and collectively, I thought as an England fan, maybe we'll settle down. We can defend the lead here and just see the game out. As an outsider, is that what was going through your head? What did you think when Alessia Russo scored? Did you back England to see it through to the end? Or did you think Australia might come from behind?
2: Oh no, that, that game was, that was it. Uh, that goal, actually, that goal, that was it. Like the moment they scored, uh, that one, uh, the game was over. And I think you could see it. Also, like uh, the stoppage time wasn't uh, a lot either. It was just six minutes, which is a pity because I've th- I've liked uh, <laughs> you know all those extra minutes that we've had to 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 play and to watch in our case. Um, but yeah, it was over. That goal was just it killed the game. Uh, it killed australia um you know it was uh, there was like no debate uh <laughs> i mean it was yeah it was over there's no like there's no other way around it it was like uh it was again a pity because i would have liked an extra time because i've been liking these games so much uh that i wanted all of them to go to extra time but yeah that 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 goal ended the whole game, and you know, when you make the most of your chances, then you're a deserved winner, because uh, justice in football uh, is dictated by whether you score goals or not, so uh, England go through as deserved winners because they were the ones that managed to make the most of their chances.
0: Looking ahead to the final on Sunday, Spain versus England in the final, both their first World Cup final, both two of the best teams in the women's game. What can we expect from that, Years. What, what do you see happening? Not your prediction, but how do you see the game playing out? A
2: clash of styles. Uh, Spain like to have the ball. They have uh, that very specific Spanish style and England are more more cynical. Uh, they're definitely going to explore the space behind, uh, you know, behind Spain's defense. Uh, Paredes isn't having the best World Cup of her career. She's had some things happen uh, before the World Cup that, you know, you, you, when uh, personal tragedies happen, yeah, obviously, obviously your your performance is affected. And then, you know, because of the whole thing that happened with Spain, you don't have uh, better. You know um replacements that would be up to par. Um so yeah I, it's a clash of styles. I think it's gonna be a very tight game. Uh does that doesn't invalidate uh there being a lot of goals. I think there's gonna be at least uh one for each team. I think both teams both teams are gonna score definitely um maybe like two goals each I don't know but um well if there's two goals each then there isn't winner there has to be a winner. Uh, but <laughs> But yeah, it's going to be a clash of styles definitely. David, as an
0: England fan, how are you feeling ahead of the final? Nervous?
1: Yeah, um, I think it's going to be a really, really interesting game. Um, you know, it's obviously a a, um, a meeting again between obviously England and Spain, who uh, clashed in the Euros in, in I think it's the quarterfinals last year, and you know had that really close game that was decided at the death. So it's going to be a, a a game, I think, with with Spain wanting some revenge, um, for, for that. So, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I completely agree with the uh, with uh, within us as well. It's going to be a clash of styles. You've got that possession orientated approach that Spain have. You've got that kind of this kind of quick transitions and and, um, you know, lots of overloading the uh, attacking third and and obviously creating the uh, numerical um overbalance at, at the back as well. Uh, That England have. So yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting and I'm really looking forward to it.
0: The pundits were saying after the Spain versus Sweden game that Spain were firm favourites to win their maiden World Cup, while England and Australia were second and third favourites respectively. So Spain favourites to win, England second favourites to win. David, would you agree with that? Because I wouldn't necessarily...
1: I think it's a really difficult one because you know Spain have been building to this, and you can see during the tournament their performance has been getting gradually better and better and better. And I think I think you take the Japan game out; that was an anomaly. Um, but if you take that out, you can see the progression that they've made. And um, I, as I say, it's a really difficult one because you could very easily see Spain winning it. They've clearly got the quality to do it. They've Got the players to do it if they can get their key players into the game, then they will pose a threat, they will ask questions. And England have obviously shown that at times they can be a little bit shaky at the back. So, you know, if you get Bob Matty going, you know, running hell for leather and and uh, you know, trying to to create and link up and everything like that, England could struggle to, to um to deal with her. I think the thing that England have, which will be really really vital over the next few days now, is Kira Walsh because obviously she knows these Spanish players, quite a lot of them, because obviously she plays for Barcelona. They're her teammates. So in that sense, she's going to be able to now tell the rest of the England squad, look, this is how you deal with Bon Marti. This is what you how you deal with Hermoso. All those kind of um, key areas, that little, those little tactical um, bits of advice that she's now got that she can impart to the rest of her teammates I think are going to be really, really important. But yeah, I mean, long and the short of it, it's going to be a really interesting game. Uh, I don't know if England are favourites. I don't know if Spain are favourites. I, I, I couldn't call it, to be honest.
0: And yes, your favourite English footballer, Lauren James, is obviously back in the mix after being suspended for the last two games for her red card in the Nigeria game. What do you think that she can potentially bring to this England team in the final?
2: I think, uh, you know, I think she will be a sub because you know you can't uh after what England did in this final uh, in the semifinal and in the previous game uh Lauren James can be what Salma Paralluelo has been uh, for Spain you know someone to change the game later on um so yeah you have both both uh, both coaches have those trump cards that they can play at any point in the game we know Sarina uh, tends to uh you know, Um, tends to make substitutions uh, late in the game. But I think this will be a very, very close uh, affair. So it's, uh, yeah, Lauren James, I think, can be a game changer for England, not as a starter because I don't think, you know, I I, I don't think it's even um, like uh, justifiable, you know, uh, making her a starter because, you know, you're telling those players that uh, the one player that made a, a big mistake, and yes, she will learn. I'm not condemning her for that but she did make a big mistake her team was without her for uh two games two whole games you know you can't uh, uh it's not about punishing but you can't reward that it's like but yeah it's it's about not rewarding uh kind of behavior that um harmed the team or potentially harmed the team so i think she can be a late game changer i think she will be very very hungry to to you know to show what you can do and uh you know to to basically get that sort of redemption you know the, the kind of story that we like uh in football um after what she did and after like the whole thing uh gained a, like proportions um, you know, but yeah, I think she can be a late game changer, like some, Salma Parriuelo for Spain and many others, because both England and Spain have uh, quite a bit of trump cards on the bench, and I'm very excited for that. Obviously, Serena Williams will have to manage Lauren
0: James being back in terms of including her in the starting 11 or maybe as a sub. Obviously, as you just said, yes, England have looked sharp and put together in the last two games, and it might be unlikely that they want to change that. Dan, do you think Serena will stick with what she's got after seeing such good performances in the last couple of games? Or do you expect to see Lauren James back in the starting lineup? up
1: I, I, I don't know. I was thinking about that during the game, to be honest. Um, I, I I, I don't know, to be honest. It, I Genuinely, I think Ella 2's done really, really well uh, since she's come in. I think uh, Lauren James obviously gives you that spark that they were perhaps missing at, at the start, so you can make a case for either. Um, I would not be surprised to see Lauren James on the bench. To be honest, I think uh Serena Weigman w- has seen over the last couple of games that she will um you know that England have got that rhythm now with Toon in the side and and they've got that kind of balance, and I don't think she wants to disrupt that. I think it, you know m- much the same reasoning as as why she kind of didn't disrupt anything. Uh, between the Columbia game and this one against Australia. I think because she saw that they had that rhythm and she didn't want to disrupt that and it worked. And I don't think she wanted to disrupt it again.
0: Finally, before you both go, Spain and England in the Women's World Cup final, both teams in their first Women's World Cup final. What are your predictions? David, you go first.
1: I am going to go with an England win um let's oh. go uh let's go
0: 2-1 okay in normal time
1: yeah I think they'll be a late winner
0: okay Inez what are your thoughts
2: I don't know I think I'm gonna I'm betting on a 3-2 but I don't know who the scorer <laughs> of that third goal will be so like uh I like I was thinking maybe Spain but maybe England I don't know I don't know I honestly don't know it's it's 50-50 for real like uh, if there were 100-100 I would say it, it's like it's I really don't know it, it's really it's impossible for me to make that prediction but yeah 3-2 for whomever okay
0: I think I like David's prediction better we're gonna hopefully <laughs> make it <happen. laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, guys. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast via all good podcasting platforms and give us a follow on Twitter at TWFP1 and on Instagram, it's the Women's Football Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in the final. The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2.